0: This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike.
1: Uh, Episode 53 of Time Out, presented by Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, and the coach. Damian Farragamo on today's podcast. And this first segment sponsored by our friends at the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. Now offering a 24-hour gym access. More info at theedgetrainingacademy.com. I will tell you, they also at the Edge Arena have a big bounce into winter party going on if you're listening to this uh, on or before the 26th of November from 11 to 2. Yeah, at the Edge Arena on Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. Free admission, short Party Rentals and the Give the Edge Foundation partnered up to provide bounce houses all inside the edge arena absolutely free you can bring canned goods in fact we encourage you to bring canned goods as well but uh, that sounds like a day full of fun there for a couple of hours guys
0: but it certainly does mark yeah a lot of events this time of year busy time of
1: year yeah you know maybe beckett can go in a couple of years farragamo what about you i mean i think you'd be great bouncing around in bounce houses
2: Oh yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I could uh, keep Rick Parrett in business if I jumped in a bounce house yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, let's get right to it. Uh, let's talk about uh, this past Friday night. Um, not really a surprise for Ken Island, but I was shocked at the result with Decatur. Decatur beating Potomac, not just beating them, but shellacking them, thirty-six to seven.
2: When you get into these matchups where you're you're you going against. unfamiliar opponents, you always have – the the big mystery is how good is the competition they've been playing all year – And apparently the Bayside is is a lot better competition than than is around the state right now.
0: Yeah, I I agree with Coach. I mean, we talked about this. I know that Potomac had wins over Douglas and Largo, and that's what got them into the top 25. But as you dig into Douglas and Largo, their record is reflective of the fact that they beat a lot of teams that aren't very good this year. Now, that doesn't mean that just because you have a winning record and you haven't beaten anybody, that doesn't mean that you're not good and that you can't beat other quality teams – But those wins just aren't as good, though, as maybe previous years. Obviously, Douglas last year winning the state title. Um, So, uh, you know, taking a look at it, I thought Decatur had a chance. Now, did I think they'd win 36-7? to No, I picked them to win. I didn't think it'd be by that margin. But, you know, you have to do a deeper dive uh, taking a look at their quality of wins.
1: Well, and I think you also, you look at the state power poles that basically, they're crap. Because they don't take into account, I mean, Decatur or Ken Island, neither one of them were in the state top 25 all year long. And here's some other teams that they are beating. And I think I think the shore gets discounted when it comes to the strength strength of the conference.
0: Well, I mean, Mark, it, it, look, the, the poll is the poll is uns- look, the poll is is not you know a scientific down to the t you know there is subjectivity to it you do have people around the state i am a voter on the poll but i'm only one from the eastern shore uh certainly you're not wrong about that but again as i say one of the things that doesn't help is the lack of non-conference games now decatur had one against indian river that helped uh also i guess uh, kent county played bow matter, but they lost that game but the, it doesn't help when they're not playing non-conference games against teams across the bridge. But, uh, yeah, you hope that based on what you're seeing here that these teams get more consideration in, uh, in future seasons for sure. And I'll, I'll try to make my, that argument next
2: year before the season starts. Coach, you got something you want to add on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Bayside doesn't get the respect in the state polls, and for good reason. They, when's the last time they've won a state championship? When's the last time they haven't been to one since 2009? I think when Queen Anne's played Eastern Tech and lost in a close game. Right. So if you want that respect, and Island and Stephen Decatur have a great opportunity this week coming up to gain that respect. So people on the people across the state are not just going to throw Ken Island and throw Stephen Decatur and throw these teams into the poll until they prove on a state level that they are that they're they're worthy of it. So. I think they're worthy of it, but until they show it, it's not going to change.
1: Well, we'll see how it plays out this week because Decatur coming off their 36-7 win. Bryson Coleman and Luke Margot had outstanding games in that one. And now they're going to be tested against Milford Mill. Milford Mill, the number one seed in the state, they beat Walkersville 20-7. So Walkersville obviously had a little something for them. But it's going to be interesting to to watch how that game plan for Decatur plays out against a very good Milford Mill team. Coach that you have already seen on tape.
2: Uh, Milford Mill is ridiculous. <laughs> they've got they've got football players all over the field, um, deep threats at the wide receiver position, and they're always a big team. So size is never an issue for them. So uh, Stephen Decatur will have their hands filled, hands full with Milford Mill, and I think. I mean, to be fair, Milford Mill is the odds-on-favor to win the state championship in the 2A, but they've got to go out and play on, play on Friday night.
1: Absolutely. You've got uh, Decatur and Milford Mill this coming Friday night. Don't have the game time for that one. When we come back, we're going to talk about Kent Island and Huntingtown. Hi folks, David Wilson Jr. of the Preston Automotive Group here. Did you know that we can deliver your vehicle straight to your home or office? You can view and purchase vehicles from Preston's complete inventory online at PrestonMotor.com. Preston Automotive Group is here to ensure you get exactly what you've been looking for. We can even custom order select brands straight from the source. Integrity, urgency, teamwork, personal growth, attention to detail, community. These are the core values we live by here at the Preston Automotive Group. We're family, friends, and professionals. Visit us online at PrestonMotor.com to get started today. You heard Coach mention them. This portion of the podcast, sponsored by Perrett and Moy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Perrett and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Perrett and Moy Therapy Associates at 410 604 2982. Ken Island, 3411 over Huntingtown. And while 23 points separated the two, I don't even think, Mike, that that game felt that close.
0: No, it it certainly did not. And as I mentioned, all night long, it was Kent Island football. They ran the football and played defense. And the way the game played out early on, as it did against Comico is the defense got to stop. And the offense took over on their first series, drove down, and scored a touchdown. And that really set the tone. I thought that long field goal, obviously, by putting them up by two scores, that just added to the momentum and to the juice because that was over a 40-yarder. So that gets those guys ramped up even further. But that was Cat Island football as it continues to be. And you'll see that again Friday night. They're not going to change anything. And it will either be good enough or it won't be. Yeah, uh, Coach,
1: Casey Heath on Friday night, had 316 yards rushing, that gave him the school rushing uh, record now for a single season by 100 yards um, over a running back that was pretty good, <laughs> darn good in his right. Heath's now got 2,393 yards rushing, 38 touchdowns on the season, both school records, and he's not done yet.
2: No, and so and all night we talked about how Huntington was playing with two safeties high, not having people in the box. But if you really look back at it, if they have put those guys in the box, I don't think the, the it would have been any different. Ken um, Allen was doing whatever they wanted to do. Their offensive line was dominating up front with a much smaller defensive line in Huntingtown. And once Casey Heath gets rolling, then he hits those safeties. He hits those linebackers. And he's, if not breaking the tackle, always falling forward for another three or four yards. It's, it's extremely difficult to stop. And to get them in a must-pass situation, and that's what Ken Island has avoided—those must-pass situations, those you know, third and eleven, third and nine. So as long as they can do that, I mean, the sky's the limit for him.
1: You know, but we all, we're talking about offense, but let's look at the defense. I mean, uh, Tim Goodrich, obviously an excellent defensive coordinator. Casey Heath says that he's the best in the base Side, without a doubt, and and he's proving it. I mean, Huntington came in with a pretty good offense. In fact, we talked about it in the pregame. But Ken Island just dominated their offense.
2: And I was, I was actually shocked that Huntington wasn't able to get anything going offensively. I thought they would, they would give Ken Island some problems just because they were balanced. They had shown they could throw the ball on film. Um, but they couldn't do anything Friday night at all. The defensive line for Ken Island was in the quarterback's lap. Anytime he wanted to, you know, anytime he tried to pass the football, and there was nothing going on in the run game at all for Huntingtown.
1: They'll play Ken Island. Will Middletown well, on on coming up on Friday night uh, as they beat Hereford twenty-one nothing. Mike, when you look at Ken Island. You know, obviously, Kent Island's not perfect. They've got to fix some things. When you look at Kent Island, what is something, and Coach, the same question's coming to you, but Mike, what is something that you think Kent Island's got to clean up before we get to the semifinal game?
0: Well, I mean, we didn't see much passing in the game against Huntington because they didn't need to. But I think there were a couple of drop passes there, or balls that could have been thrown a little bit better. Again, a very small sample size. But when called upon in the passing game, they're going to need to be very efficient because they won't be called upon much. But when they do, they're going to likely be at critical times, and so they're going to need to throw the football accurately. Whether that's putting a little bit of air on the football or throwing more of a beeline pass uh, from the quarterback position from McAndrews and for the receivers, whether it be a back or receiver, they need to obviously catch the football and uh, and do a good job of trying to shielding themselves as well from the defender, that's going to be really paramount in the game because they run the football very well, but they don't have to throw the ball much. But that's always a problem, though. When called upon, they don't have a lot of sample size or experience there. So that's an area. And I also noticed, though, too, and Coach you know, coach talked about the mistakes Huntingtown made on offense. You know, I, I get the feeling, though, if Huntingtown hadn't made those mistakes, if they went more spread and threw the football more, I think that would have presented some problems for Ken Island when they had to go past so much. It became obvious, and the pass protection broke down. But uh, they were able to complete some passes, and I saw some misalignments or guys out of place. They need to clean that up uh, in the secondary uh, as well next week or this Friday.
1: Yeah, you know, Coach, you know, talking about that passing defense, Huntingtown. when they did start to spread it out, they ended up, uh, they rushed for a total of 63 yards on the day. Passing, though, uh, Huntingtown passed for 241 yards. Evan Kuntz was 15 of 26 for a touchdown, but that's all they could muster, whereas McAndrews, 4 of 5 for 16 yards because, well, they were able to amass 422 yards rushing. Uh, Ken Island was so. If you're Ken Island, what are some of the things you feel like they need to clean up before playing Middletown?
2: Well, the first thing you have to look. Stats don't always tell the story. Um, a lot of those passing yards were late in the game when Ken Island was keeping everything in front of them. But it, they have shown in the past. Um, we think back to uh, almost seems like a lifetime ago. The Eastern game. They, they've had some issues covering the pass, and if their defensive line doesn't get to the quarterback they're going to have trouble covering the pass because they they rely a lot on pressure on the quarterback. Um, But the big thing, and it really hasn't come into play, but we've seen times where the ball is moving around inside running back's hands and they've avoided some fumbles. They've avoided some turnovers. um, And this is a kind of, you know, we're getting to the point in the season where a turnover can end your season. So they need to really make sure they clamp it down on their ball security. Um, and if they, if they don't turn the ball over, they're going to be very difficult to stop. They're not going to throw the ball. If Ken, I was hearing what Mike was saying, but if Ken Allen throws the ball 10 or 12 times, they're probably not winning that football game. If they have to keep it in the single digits, that means they're running the football well. So I'm not too worried about them making a play in the passing game. It's running the ball and not having to make a play in the passing game, which is really going to be the key.
1: Now, you have had a chance to see Middletown on tape uh, and and talk to some folks. What, What do you think Ken Island's going to see out of them this week?
2: Middletown is the same Middletown schematically as they were the last time Ken Island played them when it was up in Middletown and Middletown had NFL offensive linemen and tight ends playing for them. Um The players are different. So when I'm looking at this Middletown team, I'm seeing a defensive line that's very similar to Huntington's They're not huge kids. Um, and I believe that Kent Island should be able to run their offensive scheme, their offensive philosophy against Middletown. I see them having a lot of success in the running game. Um, so offensively, Middletown wants to run the ball. They will throw it, but they're not extremely efficient throwing the ball, probably a little better than Kent Island. But um, I think this is an excellent opportunity for Kent Island to advance to their first state championship game.
1: What kind of offense does Middletown run? You talk about them wanting to run. Uh, Do they spread it out a little bit, or or is there a team on the shore that's similar to the type of offense they run?
2: They run an eye offense or a split-back offense under center. Um, So, you know, kind of of like – Kind of like, um,
1: old Ken like, Island stuff. or Old Mill. Yeah.
2: yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of like that. Um, there's really there's nothing fancy about what they do. Um, you know, they they try to grind it out on the ground, keep control of the ball, keep control of the clock. Um, so we talked about last, you know, the Ken Island wants to make the, the game as boring as possible. We got two teams that want to make this game as boring as possible. Um, so we're going to see a lot of uh, ground and pound on Friday night.
1: That is our Preston Ford Game of the Week presented by Best Western Plus Easton for all seasons and Kona Ice, the Roto-Rooter pregame show at 6.10, and then at 6.30 we'll have the Baird kickoff. By the way, the Island Pub again feeding us this week, so uh, I'll need your orders text to me as well, and thanks to the Island Pub there on Ken Island uh, right there behind uh, uh, behind the Starbucks.
0: No, it was. Let me tell you, that was great. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't thank the folks enough uh, for providing such a great meal prior to and uh, a hot meal on a cold uh, fall night uh, before football. That I think that did us all well up there in the booth uh, for sure.
1: Well, it's funny you say a cold night when you're looking ahead to this Friday. Um, it's not going to be as cold. That's a good no. thing, um, but we might see a little bit of rain. With that in mind, I mean, you'll be in your slicker, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly looking at the weather forecast when the rain is going to hit. Uh, right now, it looks like it's going to all be done by the time we get to kickoff. So that would be good.
2: And that that doesn't really, that's not really going to affect um, Kent Island Middletown too much. But I think it could, it could affect Stephen Decatur mill for mill if you have a, a, a cold, windy, possibly wet, football field and and wet night because of the, the nature of their, their spread offenses. Now, Milford-Mill wants to throw the ball probably more than Stephen Decatur does. Stephen Decatur's more spread, spread and run, especially with the quarterback uh, position with Coleman running from that position. So it could help equalize things a little bit with Stephen Decatur against Milford-Mill.
1: Expecting a high on Friday of 57 and a low of about 39 so we'll see how that plays out when we come back we got more stuff to talk about it's right here time out with shore sports presented by the preston automotive group
2: if someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal take time to connect ask are you okay listen closely and without judgment share mental health resources for all seasons behavioral health and rape crisis center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you.
1: This portion of the podcast sponsored by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish uh, Spanish speaking communities. Regardless of one's ability to pay, more info at forallseasonsinc.org. We've got Mike Bradley and the coach with us here. And uh, so let's talk, continue talking, guys, about the uh, football playoffs. Mike, you've got something.
0: Yeah, I had two notes I just wanted to pass along. First, for the Kent Island-Middletown game. I believe it's the first time for Kent Island in a semi since 2014. But, you know, just taking a look at Middletown, though, and I was talking with Sheldon Sheeler, who heads up the state poll. It's quite obvious again this year, though, the further west you go, the football gets better. So while this is not the same Middletown team, they play in a really good conference in Frederick County, and they've lost to some good teams this year, like Frederick and Oakdale. In fact, Frederick had their best season since 1968. So they're very battle-tested. So when they face Kent Island, yeah, they may not be able to stop Kent Island's run game, but they'll be very battle-tested coming in, so they will not be in over their heads. Um, The other note I wanted to make mention of, for Stephen Decatur, this is their first semifinal game since 2004. In that year, they lost to Hereford, and Hereford beat them pretty handily. The team that Hereford lost to in the championship, Potomac, the team that Steven Decatur just beat in the quarterfinals.
1: Wow. So, good stuff there. Let's We have some teams from the Bayside that are in the 1A. In fact, Colonel Richardson, if you remember, they lost to uh, Bo Manor by the score of 14-13 on a heartbreaking two-point conversion uh, Bo Manor played this past weekend against Mountain Ridge, one of those teams from the West out in Frostburg. Mountain Ridge beat them 57 nothing. You know, I think that's where Coach James Jackson needs to go ahead and send a thank you card to Bo Manor to save them from having to go make that ride.
2: And I believe that Mountain Ridge team is the team that uh, kind of handled Port Hill easily during they did. the regular season here as well. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. And uh, a matter of fact, they're going to be playing Brunswick um, out of run, out of right there at 68 and uh, 70. Uh, Brunswick beat Forest Park 17-8. So Brunswick going to take the ride down to Frostburg down 68 to take on Mountain Ridge on the other half of the bracket. Joppatown beat Lake Clifton 38-30 in a a great game there, it looks like. And uh, it looks like Joppatown is going to be taking the ride to Fort Hill, uh, who beat uh, the, uh, the Perryville Panthers 49 to seven. So when you look at that, you've got from Cumberland and also Frostburg at the top of the one A. Plus you've got Brunswick there that's going to be playing Joppatown. Uh, you know Joppa going to play Fort Hill. So three really good football teams from 68 and 70.
0: Yeah, and Mark, real quick, it was a, I know it was a two A one A matchup, but Middletown beat Brunswick this year. 35 to 10. Let's face it. Teams get
1: better at the right time. You look at Kent Island. They lost that first game. Coach, would you say Ken Island's playing their best football right now?
2: And, and don't bury the lead. They didn't lose that, that first game. They got destroyed that first game. So Easton, you know, Easton, uh, I forgot what the exact score was, but it wasn't as, even as close as the score indicated. Um, and at that point, I mean, if, if any of us were to make a prediction, I think we would have predicted that Ken Adams was going to lose a handful of games that year based on that week one performance. Right. Um, week two against Colonel Richardson, it got better, but it, it wasn't as clean as, as we thought it would be. But then they right. started to the roll, and we've seen each week they've gotten better and better and better, um, especially up front on the offensive and defensive lines. So they, they are clicking at the right time, and they have without question – got incredibly better from week one all the way here till to, to the final four of, of the football playoffs.
1: When you look at the 2A-1A, I think this really presents the, uh, Mike, your argument about, you know, your regular season schedule and what you produce. So, Hartford Tech went into the uh, region tournament as the number two seed in the bracket against Parkside. And they beat Parkside 30-13. to 13 harford tech then becomes the seven seed after the uh, reseed and they played south Carroll on the road on friday night and beat south Carroll 14 7. so yeah. Hartford tech now going to the state semifinals they're going to play patuxent who beat williamsport 33 uh, 24 and that'll happen at 7 o'clock on friday night and then, of course, the Calvert Cavaliers, they were the four seed. They beat the five seed, Largo Lions handily, 47 6. They're going to take on Dunbar, who beat Elkton. And if you recall, Elkton, they squeaked by in their contest. Um, and they, what, 27 19, beating Rise and Sun, who was the number one seed. And uh, they got shellacked by Dunbar, 64 0. So. I think the 1A, 2A is very competitive as well, and it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out.
0: Well, and Elton had a losing record this season, Coach.
1: Yeah, and, and, and yet made the, the state quarters.
2: We, you guys have talked about, we've talked about the new playoff system, and a lot of people are against it. But I think this year has kind of given it a little bit of traction because you have a lot of the, the lower seeds or the higher-numbered seeds who've gone and won some football games. And it goes back to us looking at um, the level of competition. So we may not like the way it is. and It's kind of like everyone gets a trophy. You, you hear that a lot. But it's allowing things to play out on the field. Now, most of the time, those first couple games are not very good. But every once in a while, maybe a team that had better competition all season gets to go in and show that they're actually a good football team, even though they have four losses on their schedule.
1: I still like the old format better, but I'm not sure that we'll ever get that back. I know this was instituted for two years, and they're already talking about next year um, because I do like the four and in because it does alleviate some of those one-versus-eight contests in the early rounds of the playoffs. But like you said, Coach, it does. It it pays off
0: to be playing your best
1: football right now as the season comes down.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, to, to Coach's point, you're right in the sense that by more teams, you, it lets more teams play each other after the first two rounds, and you get a bent across the state of, uh, you know, of, of who's some of the better teams and who are, aren't as good of teams. And you're right, sometimes the records can be misleading depending on, you know, the conference play. Conferences are tougher here than there, so on and so forth. But for the regular season, though, having the open format it cuts down on the drama and the excitement of the meaning of the regular season games when you only get so many in so yeah i mean you gain something here but you lose something there
2: yeah so i agree i agree with you uh, it's just it's just the, the the other side of the argument and what also it does if everyone gets in if you have an opportunity at a, at a conference game you're more likely to go out there and seek the higher competition because you know that you'll have an opportunity to work yourself back into the, the state picture if everyone makes the playoff.
1: Very good point there. Very good point. Yeah. I, I know Easton, for instance, next year opening the season um, because they had an open week and they're able to schedule northeast Cecil County. Yeah, not not a. Uh, uh not a uh, what do you want to call it? a dunbar you know but uh you know, going, power <laughs> no. you know going outside the conference but that's the schedule kind of forces you to do that not everybody gets that open date uh for next year but you know it's one of those things it's just that rotating cycle in the bayside anything else you want to add for high school football before i move on to something else
2: Uh,
0: Other than just coach, I know you, I I think we all actually all three of us, I think, can speak to the fact that our Facebook feeds were flooded with the excitement of the communities of Ken Island and Stephen Decatur with their victories. And it, it just goes to show how great Friday Night Lights is in football and how special football is because it's only once a week. And to see the communities come together, and whether they went to the games, whether they listened on the radio, whether they streamed the games—it just it, there's something special about high school football. That, with all due respect to the other sports, high school football brings these communities together like none other.
2: Couldn't agree more. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a lacrosse guy. I like lacrosse. I know, I, I know that's it's Mark's favorite sport too. <laughs> I like baseball. I like, I like all high school sports. I, I love them. I love the whole experience. But there is nothing like football.
1: You know the one thing I will say: uh, if you're if you're allowed a home game for the playoffs, you need to get out and support your team. I was disappointed yeah. in the turnout at Ken Island High School for a state quarterfinal contest. Even the student section was lacking. Treat this like it's like you're playing Queen Anne's, like it's a county rival. Get out and support the Buccaneers. They deserve it. And you know, be there, show up. The game starts at six thirty. You need to be there early, making it a playoff-like atmosphere because it's live or go home at this point. Would you agree, Coach?
2: Yes, and and your comment is a hundred percent fair. It's no secret I'm a Kent Island guy, and I'm pulling for him real hard. But I was disappointed as well with the, with the turnout, especially from the students there. Um, you know, they're always a late arriving crowd, but. This, this, is, this is bigger than a Queen Anne's game. This is to go to the state championship. There should be butts in the seats. Day after Thanksgiving, there's no reason not to be there. You're doing nothing else. Get out there and support your uh, local local teams. Hey, I- yeah, And, and Mark, Mark, I'm glad you said that because these
0: kids put in so much time going back to August, and they cut their vacation short. And, and even during the summer, they're working in the weight room and seven-on-sevens. These guys sacrifice so much to wear that jersey and that helmet and represent the school. And their hard work needs to be rewarded and supported by uh, the students. And, and it's not like going to a high school football game on a Friday night isn't a fun thing to do and an exciting thing to do where you get to see each other and hang out. and. And uh, so I'm with you, and it was disappointing that there wasn't a bigger turnout. I know that they can do better. I know there's strong support there, um, but hopefully we'll see it. I know it's a holiday weekend, but, man, these kids deserve to have that kind of support um, with all that they put in for the school. And, um, you know, uh, here's hoping for a better turnout this Friday.
1: Yeah, because they didn't have the crowd I thought they would have this last week, and hopefully – Hopefully, we'll see this place rocking at Andy Schiphol Stadium on Friday. This next segment sponsored by our friends at Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank, serving the midshore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in-person banking. Plus, they have money to lend. Get more info at any Queenstown Bank location or go to QueenstownBank.com. So, the uh, Salisbury Seagulls went... Uh, Took a little trip to Ohio on Saturday for the playoffs. Um, it was the first round of the NCAA Division three playoffs, and didn't go so well for him. A good season ends with a fifty one to nothing loss.
2: Yeah, and I, I'm a, I was a graduate I played at Salisbury. I at first with Salisbury having one loss, winning their conference, and what they've done in the playoffs recently, I thought they deserved. A better seed than going to play Mount Union, but you look at the result, you really can't argue that anymore. If you wanted, if you wanted to make that argument, you've got to keep that game close and respectable. And if it, it was not close or respectable, Mount Union had their way, like Mount Union usually does with other D3 uh, competition.
1: Yeah, uh, they they were they were beastly, no doubt about that. Number one seed, and of course, uh, had quite the year as well. Uh, some of the locals we always talked about. The, they didn't rush the ball much, that's for sure. Uh, Dario Bellazzari had eight, uh, eight uh, uh, attempts and a net of 30 yards on the day. Uh, Joey Bildstein, who led them in rushing this year, had three carries for 20 yards, and Jaden Davis five carries for 13. They end up with a total of 26 carries for 57 yards. Uh, on the day. So uh, they, they didn't get much going. <laughs> In fact, uh, they ended up with eight yards passing, 57 yards rushing. Oops. That was their offensive pro- uh, production on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mark, it, it, the thing is is that Mount Union and some of those teams at the very top of Division Three it's just at a different level. Look, Sherman Wood's done a fantastic job at SU and they built something really good there and they run the football extremely well. And, uh, they're very good in the NJAC, but when it comes to playing a uh, union, it's just at a whole different level. And they're just, they're not there. Hopefully one day they will be, but they haven't been there in the last several years. And it's just tough. I don't know what has to happen to get them to that next level, but they're just not there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Coach, you want to continue talking uh, some uh, college football with us? Absolutely. I'm all over some college football. All right. So, let's talk about. First, we'll start with Maryland. Maryland uh, playing host to Ohio State on Saturday. Maryland coming off a 30 to nothing loss to Penn State. They got shut out. But boy did they give Ohio State a scare in Michigan also needed a late field goal to survive. Do you think, Mike, and I'll ask you because you're a fan of Michigan, do you think both Michigan and Ohio State were overlooking their opponents looking ahead to this Saturday's contest between each other?
0: Well, look, human nature is that that's going to happen some But there were circumstances in each of these games to explain some of that. For the Michigan-Illinois game, first, your Heisman Trophy candidate Blake Coram gets hurt in the first half, doesn't play at all in the second half. They also had their starting tight end out, and one or two offensive linemen that didn't play either. So they were missing some key pieces there. Illinois, even though they had lost two in a row, remember they were ranked in the top 20 in the country uh, prior to that. They match up well with Michigan. They're very physical on the offensive line and up front on the defensive line. So I I think that there are some good reasons for that. There may have been some overlooking, but I I don't think it's as much as people think. And then with Ohio State-Maryland, look, Maryland coming off two really bad losses – Playing at home, I think they had a chip on their shoulder. They're, be- you look, they're better than what they showed in the Wisconsin-Penn and Penn State game. That Penn State game, even if they don't win that, they should have played a lot better. That should have been a competitive game. And you saw their talent rise to the, to the top in that one. We just ought to have seen more of that at times this year. So I, I think there were some good reasons for that. And to be fair, too, Ohio State was missing one of their top running backs, although Dallin Hayden has filled in very nicely in the last two weeks uh, for the Buckeyes.
1: Coach, you want to add anything to that?
2: Well, I just want to talk about Maryland. And I think Maryland's got to get past the point where they celebrate losses. They, they lost a football game. And if, if you look at social media, people I talk to, everybody's all excited about it. They still lost the football game. Mm-hmm. So they've got to get to the point where they stop celebrating losses. They had six wins this year. And the, the record of those six teams they've beaten is 24-42. So they've got to get – we talked about it at the high school level, right? Like the Carl Richmond has to get that signature win. They have to get the win against what people consider a better team. Maryland's got to get that win and not be satisfied with, you know, going to one of these bowls that's played on Thursday at noon on December 27th. They've got to get that signature win. And until they do, I don't think it's, a, it's very healthy to be celebrating losses. Yeah, I'm going well, to – I think he's right you know, Well, let me, let me counter him on one point. I would say,
0: in general, you're right. If there's one team, though, where you say, look, um, you celebrate the fact that they're competitive against Ohio State, that would be the team because Ohio State is at a different level in the Big Ten. They're at a different level than Michigan, frankly, and certainly than Penn State. So that's one game where if Maryland plays them really tough, that's signs of progress in the program. Now, for most of the rest of the games, I would say you're absolutely right. They, need, they, you know, they shouldn't celebrate that. But Ohio State's the one team where I'd say that's sign of progress. But then you also wonder where the heck that was last week against Penn State.
1: So Maryland, like, like Coach said, they've got to stop celebrating losses. Let's talk <laughs> Virginia Tech. I know. They, they haven't had a good year. But a nice win over Liberty on Saturday, Mark. I got to tell you,
2: I can't speak to that at all because you might have been the only person watching that game.
1: Now my son was too. We were <laughs> watching it at the house.
0: <laughs> so well, that yeah. I mean, they beat Liberty. Liberty's a good program, and and Liberty, I know, did have one other loss in the last couple of weeks. But no, that's a really good program. Hey, you got to start somewhere, and. Uh yeah I mean congrats to the Hokies on that one they uh year 2 will be uh you know certainly a big year for for that program after how tough it's been this year though
1: yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, I think Brent Pry needs, needs a couple of years to be able to turn that program around uh, after having Fuentes' staff, or not his staff, but his players that he brought in. So it'll be interesting to see how year two is different. But it was the first time that I saw their defense actually play a complete game. So it was good to see that. Another shocker from the weekend. How about South Carolina doing away with Tennessee?
2: That's, the, that's just the story of the SEC and the parity in the SEC, and I believe South Carolina's been having a, a pretty disappointing year up to that point. Um, and hopefully, it pushes the SEC team out of the, uh, out of the final four, but all it does is open the, open the door for LSU to come in and get another SEC team in with a loss. They seem to get they seem to get a pass on all their losses.
1: Well, you got USC creeping up as well. And, and, oh, yeah, let's not forget about Alabama right there as well. But because now we're going to find either Ohio State or Michigan is going to suffer their first loss this Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's right. But Mark, uh, Tennessee, though, remember, they lost their starting quarterback to an ACL injury in Hendon Hooker, so that, that didn't help. But, uh, yeah, that hurt Tennessee. South Carolina is a rebuilding program right now. But Alabama's out, Mark. Sorry, they're not getting into it. They're done. They're not. <laughs> no, they're done. Well, we, enough. we, enough, we
1: enough, don't. Enough talk about Alabama. It all well. depends on what happens this weekend. You don't know that they're not going to make it in.
0: They're not. They're not going They're to not make it anymore. Not going to
1: happen. <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. So.
0: They're not going to play in the SEC championship game. That's the problem they have. They need that. They don't. They won't get it.
1: No, you're right. They will not. They will not get that. But because uh, it's going to be LSU against Georgia, more
0: than likely. No, you know, it, it, it is. So that's yeah. They, Alabama would need that championship game to help their resume. Uh,
1: real quick, I know it's not football, but a, a shout out to the University of Virginia basketball team uh, going out to Vegas this weekend after after the tragedy that took place there and uh, actually uh, winning that tournament with some impressive wins in college basketball. I don't know how much of a college basketball fan you are, Coach, but, you know, when you have a tragedy like that where three of your players are killed and then you got a, a running back was uh, seriously injured when he was shot as well, yeah, I mean... It took a lot for those guys to you know, play, but obviously it affected the football program more because they didn't play their game this weekend against Coastal Carolina, and I haven't heard yet if they're going to play this coming Friday, uh, Saturday against uh, Virginia Tech, but uh, you know, just a tragedy there at uh, the University of Virginia.
2: And I, I can't even wrap my head around that whole situation or how difficult it would be to play or not play like no one knows the right thing to do, um, but i just say Virginia should do whatever they need to do to best serve their student-athletes right now. So if it's playing, I'm behind, 100% behind them playing. If it's not playing, I'm 100% behind that.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, my son's already – he's got tickets to the game, of course, at Virginia Tech, but, you know, he's got alternate plans that if they don't play, he'll just stay home an extra day before heading back. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, Mark –
0: yeah, and Mark, uh, Coach Bennett said, look, if there's anything we can to try to bring a little joy to the football team, you know, let's see if we can't do it. And they pulled off big wins against Baylor and also against Illinois. And, uh, yeah, kudos to them for, uh, for for doing that because they have a heavy heart. They're athletes. and But the fact I think they were able to give a little bit of joy and a little bit of a break from what happened the week to the football program, I think that's great to see that uh, Virginia was able to do that.
1: Absolutely. All right, this last segment sponsored by an optical galleria. They've created a new sunglass line known as Hook Optics, an amazing fit for heads of all sizes and a variety of colored polarized lenses. Stop by an optical galleria in the Mars Plaza in West Ocean City, on West Water Street in downtown Centerville, and in downtown Easton on Harrison Street to try out a new pair of Hook sunglasses. Check them out online at eisenart.net or hookoptics.com. Turning our attention real quick to professional football. The hottest football team in the nation right now, the Washington Commanders. Would you agree?
2: You need to stop it, Mark. Mark. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. I
1: I mean, look what they've done. (laughs) I mean, they they gave the Eagles their first loss of the year. They've also, you know, they easily beat uh, Houston yesterday. And, of course, they've won, what, five of the last six games and Taylor Heineke finally getting announced as the starter for the rest of the year. I don't have all the warm and fuzzies for that because I think you're limited. But they're still looking to shake some seasons up here.
2: Mark, you got go to, to tell beater. yourself.
1: <laughs> What'd you say, Coach?
2: I said, tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself. Um, to get through this holiday season with your commanders
1: well I'm going to the game on, <laughs> I'm going to the game on Sunday to see him play Atlanta so we'll see how that shakes out maybe I'll have a different tune next Monday but I mean the Ravens the Ravens were not impressive at all against Carolina
2: oh, unfortunately that's a couple hours of my life I'm not going to get back because I watched that entire game <laughs> um, not, not impressive at all but even you know, looking at the commanders look at the Ravens what, what you'll notice like each week Every single win in the NFL is a big win. It's so difficult to win at that professional level.
1: It it really is. Yeah. I mean, look what Dallas did to Minnesota. My goodness.
2: Yeah,
0: and, and look, Mark, first, I mean, uh, look, kudos to the commanders regardless that with all the drama around that, that program uh, or the team, the organization, and with the quarterback uncertainty, the fact they've done what they've done it a very difficult decision to give them a lot of credit. But Coach is right. You know, I, you really have to throw out these records to a large degree or at least put them in context. Like the Ravens have the, the supposedly the easiest schedule the rest of the way, but guess what? They have two games against the Steelers, one against Cincinnati and one against Cleveland. They've got four divisional games still to play. You think those are going to be easy games? No way. So I don't care what the winning percentage of the teams left are. Um, and, look, that's a really good Dallas team. I mean, Minnesota won seven consecutive one-score games, which I think was an NFL record. Um, and the Commanders played a tough the week before. Uh, but Dallas is a really solid team, and Kirk Cousins – you know, he'll put up numbers, but he's always good for a mistake or two a game. So I'm, I'm not surprised Dallas won. But, yeah, I guess you could say the margin of victory on the road was surprising.
1: Well, I'm going to cheer on the Commanders again this Sunday uh, live from the uh, from our, not RFK. I wish it was RFK. From FedEx Field. And, uh, yeah, hey, we are. We're looking for new owners. So, I don't know, maybe, Mike, you and uh, Coach can put your OTL salaries <laughs> together and, you know, put a bid yeah. in. Not a chance. <laughs> that's because Mike's wife wouldn't let him buy a football team.
0: So <laughs> hey, James, she, no, hey, Mark, that's actually not true. You know, Brooke, if we had the money, she'd love uh, to buy the Commanders. Now uh, she could own it. I, I, you know, if I want to own a team, I'd own the Ravens, not the Commanders. But you know her; she'd actually be in favor of it.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. And while I'm at uh, <laughs> while I'm at FedEx Field, I'm going to pick up Beckett a, a brand new Commanders outfit.
0: Oh Lord! Yeah. All right, well, I, I always said that I I always said though I will not force a team on her. I want her to organically, hopefully, like at least some of the teams I like. But I won't force any team on her. Um, but there may be a few teams that we say absolutely no to, and that would be the Steelers and the Duke Blue Devils.
1: Hey, by the way, I've yet to see Beckett in a picture. Of Beckett in any of the gear that I bought her.
0: Oh, you mean your Von gear? Yeah. Well, we gotta find a picture somewhere. I think she's outgrown it now, but we have a picture somewhere. At least she wore it. it.
1: Yeah, yeah. At, least, at least she wore it. <laughs> <laughs> so. So. Coach, you got any closing comments as we get ready for Friday night Lights yet again? Uh, on I, the Friday after Thanksgiving. It's been a long time.
2: I I just can't I just can't wait till Friday. It's been a great ride so far. I think we have an excellent opportunity here to um, get at least one team from the Bayside in the state championship? And wouldn't it be something if we had an all-Bayside state championship uh, game? Uh,
1: the, the polls might actually, you know, take notice. So.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: well, hey Mark, I'm only one voter, but yeah you're right. they certainly would and I, I I've made some push you know behind the scenes for the last poll that'll come out at the end of the playoffs for that. but I think and coach Fairgoba you know uh, coach Coleman had put this on your Facebook page when you commented about that. I think the last all bayside state final was a 1a between Cambridge and Kent, which I, I think it was either in the mid 90s or late 80s, one of the two.
2: Yeah, it was one of, I think it was one of Doug Fleetwood state championships there, and he won a bunch of them. Um, but I, it would just be great for the conference, um, great for both of those communities, and hopefully push the Bayside into, 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 the, into the conversation from, uh, from a state level.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Mike, any closing comments real quick?
0: No, just, uh, the excitement continues to build. And I think for us, as, as we follow the teams, and now we can be all in on the Bayside teams instead of having to wear our, our objective hat when it's Bayside versus Bayside. But, you know, for us as well, as I'm sure with the players and coaches, you know, we're, we're living just for that one more week, one more week. And there's, two potentials left, let's hope that we could get there.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for joining us today. You've been listening to Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. We invite you to share, share, share. Let folks know about it. Check us out at shoresportsmd.com and, of course, share our podcast. We'll have another one next week for you right after Thanksgiving, a post-Thanksgiving podcast. Hopefully, we're talking about one or two of our local teams Heading to the Maryland State Championship.
0: You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on shoresportsmd.com.